A Missing Teen, A Cold Case in Idaho, and YouTube. Adventures with Purpose is an Oregon-based team of YouTubers who specialize in finding lost people. It took them 20 minutes to crack a case that stumped police for years. Sixteen-year-old Matthew Jed Hall disappeared in January 2018. The police were stumped. That's when Adventures with Purpose stepped in. Doug Bishop is the lead detective on this YouTube group with two million subscribers. Using sonar equipment beyond the ability of most local police forces, they searched the Snake River in Idaho Falls. The investigation lasted 20 minutes. They found Jed's car under eight feet of water. Human remains in the rear of the vehicle were confirmed to be his. Not all mysteries have happy endings. But in 1 Timothy 3, the Apostle Paul tells us about the mystery of godliness, Jesus Christ. This mystery has such a happy ending that we can't help but sing about it. Welcome to Haven Today. Here it is, a spring Wednesday. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story with you that's all about Jesus. And this is a program called Sing a New Song. Do you remember back in the mid-2000s when In Christ Alone came on the scene out of nowhere? It seems like just yesterday, doesn't it? But this song has been with us a while now, 20 years. Keith and Kristen Getty and Stuart Townend really started something with this modern hymn, a movement of songwriters writing new hymns with deep, Christ-centered lyrics, songs that help us worship Jesus in church or on our own. And as we are in the midst of trying times, well, we need to remember who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And we need to worship our great God. In Christ Alone is a song that helps us do both. It reorients us, focusing us on the fact that our salvation can only be found in Christ, and certainly in Christ alone. And when we hear this wonderful good news, how can we do anything except sing praises to God? How can we not sing a new song to Him? After the program, I'd like to send you Keith and Kristen's new album, Reflecting on the Last 20 Years, called Sing in Christ Alone. Filled with many of their modern hymns, along with those written by other modern hymn writers like Matt Papa and Laura Story, this album will move you to worship your great God as you listen. The number to call after the program, 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. And if you'd like to hear samples from Sing in Christ Alone, this new CD, you can do that when you visit us at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And now, let's open with the Gettys and Chris Tomlin. Let's stand together. Can we sing this? Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made It's all creation groaning. It's a new creation. 
Sung by the Gettys and Chris Tomlin here on this Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris. I'm so glad you could be back with us on the program called Sing a New Song. As I mentioned yesterday, this idea of singing a new song to the Lord may not mean what we think when we first hear it. But before we get into that, I'm here again with Keith Getty talking about something exciting that will be happening this weekend. And I think you'll want to hear this. Keith, we're in the 20th year now. You've passed the 20th year. of We're in the third decade. You've started your third decade, but you're also doing a 50th anniversary concert on uh, Saturday in London at Royal Albert Hall. You want to tell us a little bit about that, where you will sing in Christ Alone? Three things really about it. Number one is the Albert Hall, I think, is Christian and my favorite venue. And, you know, we're privileged every year. To get to do our Carnegie Hall Christmas show, do it down at the Kennedy Center. Uh, the Sing Conference plays the Grand Ole Opry or the Ryman every year. 
we get to play these wonderful venues and we're so grateful for privileges that we never thought we'd have. But of all the halls in the world, the Albert Hall with its history, with its grandeur and its intimacy all together is, is our favorite hall. So that, that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is that uh, Noel Tredinick, who started the All Souls Orchestra, had this vision for Bible churches that would take orchestral music seriously, that would take church worship seriously. And it was a huge they were a huge influence on in me in my mid-teens. The first charity I started was called the New Irish Arts, which was the New Irish Choir Orchestra, really inspired by what the All Souls guys had done. And, and so we're so grateful uh, to them for that. And then finally, I think, of course, the All Souls Orchestra came from the, the broader ministry of John Stott. Mm. And Stott believed that in the 21st century, we would be seeing the greatest century ever to be Christians. It is not a century to cower and sit in a room and come up with conspiracy theories about why the world is going wrong, but actually to look around the world and see how the Christianity has grown. More people became Christians in the 20th century than any other religion in human history. But the opportunity to build deep believers is going to be the challenge of the 21st century. I've been able to continue the Great Commission, but continue the Great Commission by depth. And uh, Stott did it through preaching, through raising leaders and training and through literature. But what I wanted to do was accompany and work alongside all these wonderful reformed teachers who are some, who are, some of whom are your friends, Charles, and create hymns that give people a sung grammar. And so the, the day I decided to do hymns full time or really began to seriously consider it was hearing Stott talking about his vision for the world. So anytime all souls call me or the Langham Trust call me for anything, <laughs> I answer. I answer with a positive um, or indeed Lausanne Congress as well. Mm. Anytime I get a chance to work with any of those groups, we do because because of how it really created a direction and a vision to our work. Let me ask you one other question. Uh, and we've talked about this a lot in the past, Keith. Um, you're still doing hymns. And I mean classic hymns, but for a new generation. What's your sense out there of the Christian music scene? I think in, in, a lot, in one sense, it's none of my business. My, my <laughs> business is to try and write hymns that help write hymns and champion great hymns that help people think in a deeper way, in a more profound way about our Lord, and, and indeed to help build deep believers. And, you know, if, for example, something like the Sing Conference, we have every form of charismatic and conservative church and Baptistic and Anglican church and uh, people from black churches, white churches, from all six continents of the world, over 100 countries watching online. We, we work with people of every kind of background, and we're just trying to encourage all of them where they are to think in a deeper and a richer and a more vibrant way about how they sing in their churches and indeed how they sing in their homes as well. That's really our concern um, over and against that generally. Uh, we are the first generation in human history that's in non-curated worship. So up until the last generation, you know, people sang the Psalms, they sang liturgies, they sang out of their hymn books, they sang what their local communities taught them to sing. Mm -hmm. uh, we live now in this first generation or one and a half generations where we go online and CCLI USA provides us with 300,000 options for songs. Mm. And the sad thing is most of the Bible teachers out there and most of the parents out there and grandparents listening to your show are not taking responsibility for the songs that their children, their grandchildren, children, their church, their people who they claim to love are singing. And it's a profound part of what we do. So the challenge to everyone is let's make sure what are we singing, then what are our families singing, then what are our churches singing, and making sure we give them songs that not only speak truth about God, but are songs that we take for the rest of our lives. When we learn something like Holy, 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 or Be Them My Vision, or And Can It Be, or Hark the Herald Angels Sing, we give people a gift that they can carry for 50 years. And that will never leave them. And so it's a profound thing to be able to do. You know, that's an important question to ask ourselves. Thanks, Keith Getty, for being on with me from Scotland. What are we singing? Is our diet of music full of Christ-centered songs? 
You know what I mean. Songs and hymns that magnify Jesus and remind us of who our Savior is and what he has done. And do we sing songs that remind us of God's power and how our Lord created and sustains all things? You are what you eat, after all. And that's true with food. And it's also true with worship. And in light of In Christ Alone, what are you doing this weekend? I'd like to invite you to join me and the Gettys at the 50th anniversary concert, Prom Praise, at one of the finest concert halls in the world at a packed-out Royal Albert Hall in London. To find out more and join me for this live-streamed concert, you can go to our website, and a drop-down landing page will appear. And a portion of your ticket price goes to Haven Today. Just go to haventoday.org after the program, and I'll give that to you again a little bit later. I'm very thankful for what has happened over the last several decades in the modern hymn movement. People like the Gettys have given us a lot of good songs to sing, and In Christ Alone is just one of them. Many of my favorite songs we sing in church are new songs, and so many of the old hymns are timeless. Still, our society is fascinated with the new, isn't it? The old is thrown out, even if it isn't that old in the grand scheme of things. The first iPhone came out only 15 years ago. If it was a person, it would be just old enough to get its learner's permit most places. But no one would be caught dead with a first-generation iPhone nowadays, unless maybe you're as old as me. In fact, people line up to get the newest model, even if it's almost the same as the one that came out the year before. You know, in the first century, when the apostles were preaching and the church was just getting off the ground, it was the opposite. Newer things were often looked at with suspicion. And if you wanted to be taken seriously, you had to prove that your ideas were old. And that's why so many early Christians spent so much time proving that the Old Testament pointed to Christ. That wasn't a religion that just popped out of nowhere like a spring daisy. No, the religion of Yahweh was as old as the first man and woman. But even in the Old Testament, the Lord told his people to sing a new song. So, was he ahead of his time, so to speak? Was he trying to get the Israelites fascinated with the newest thing, including the newest songs? No, not exactly. Think with me for a few minutes about chapter 42 of the book of Isaiah. I pick up the story in verse 10. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praises from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and all who live in them, there it is. Sing to the Lord a new song. But what does it mean? Is Yahweh commanding the ancient Hebrew recording artists to write the next single? No. In order to understand what our Lord means in verse 10, you have to understand what he said in the first nine verses of the chapter. You see, Isaiah 42 begins with what we call a servant song. There are four of these songs in the book, and this is the very first. They're all about a servant of the Lord who does great things, even though he suffers in the process. Listen to what God himself says about this servant. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Now we have to realize something here. By the time we get to Isaiah 42, the northern kingdom of Israel was already in exile. Judah was not far behind. And in the middle of all this dreadful news, 
when the descendants of Abraham who remained faithful must have thought that all hope was lost. What did God do? He promised the gospel, the good news. His people couldn't save themselves. They couldn't pull themselves up by their own selves. And every time they tried, they sinned against Yahweh. And that's why they were going into exile in the first place. So God himself promised that he would do something about it. He would work through his servant, a promise which would be ultimately fulfilled in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he's a gentle savior, someone who doesn't break those who are struggling. He's the good shepherd after all. So God says, starting in verse 8, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Yahweh is the one who is doing this new thing. He's going to save his people from their sins through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And what should follow a new work of the Lord? A new song sung by his people. That's what Isaiah 42.10 means. A new song for a new work. A new song for a new covenant. Let the wilderness and its towns raise their voices. Let the settlements where Kedar lives rejoice. Let the people of Selah sing for joy. Let them shout from the mountaintops. Let them give glory to the Lord and proclaim his praise in the islands. Those words would have shocked the people of Judah in Isaiah's day. After all, those were Gentile places. The servant, this Messiah, would not just be for Israel, but also for the whole world. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And everyone who is saved will sing a new song to the Lord, because he is great and he is good. He did the work and saved us. Christ has died. Christ is risen and ruling. Christ will come again. And so we can praise him with a new song, even in the uncertain times of this old world. So why don't you join me this week? Let's sing a new song to our Lord. After all, it's what people do when they have received the grace of Jesus Christ. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was, was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear? The
toils and snares I have already come. Twas grace that taught me safe thus far, and grace will Again to the Gettys, joined by Dana Masters and saxophonist Kirk Whalem. Amazing Grace, of course, here on this Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris. And as you've already heard this week, In Christ Alone is 20 years old. And as you listen to the Gettys' new Sing In Christ Alone CD, you'll be reminded how much we need Christ-centered hymns like this in our lives. I think we all need this album to recenter ourselves on Jesus as we face the hardships of this world. Let me give you our telephone number that you can call right now. Make a gift to the ministry. Ask for the new CD in Christ alone. Our phone number is 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Or if you'd like to go online, you can get the CD there for your gift. You can also watch the drop-down menu that'll come up. And there you can go and read about this prom praise, the 50th anniversary. The Gettys will be there live. You can buy a ticket, and part of the proceeds will come to Haven Today. Just go visit us at haventoday.org to find out more. Haventoday.org. And while you're there, I still want to encourage you to think about helping Mission Eurasia. Here's the president of that organization in Moldova, Sergei Rukuba explaining how they're helping Ukrainian refugees. You see, we are at one of the food packing places in Moldova. This is Mission Eurasia's uh, refugee assistance hub here. Lots of refugees coming to this place during the day. Now it's evening and people, local Christians from this church and other churches in the area, after work, come to this place to help to pack this eye care food 
packages. Today, they are planning to pack 500 of those family food packages that will be delivered tomorrow to many different places where refugees are staying in those shelters. Today, they came back from Ukraine where they delivered another 500 these food packages over the border to Ukraine where they help people that are in a tremendous, tremendous need. So that's where we are now. We just arrived here in Moldova, right from the airport, came to this place. And with as much as we see so tragedy everywhere, to see this operation here, it really warms my heart. To see these young people, and this is School Without Walls, Mission Eurasia School Without Walls, students, graduates, other church leaders, Christian from, uh, from all local churches here. Neighbors are coming to help us to pack these food packages. So we're so grateful to people in the United States, in Canada, that provide resources that help us to obtain food on a larger quantities. And this food is delivered to one of the places like this, where it's all sorted out with great love, packed in those food packages, we add a copy of scripture, and this will be rushed farther to where people are in need. And this will be delivered to shelters, refugee camps, and other places where people, uh, refugees from Ukraine, uh, are staying. If you have a heart for those suffering in Ukraine, you can make your gift to this much-needed ministry on our website or when you call. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? And again, we'll together sharing the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Prison, that's a word none of us want to hear. Locked up without freedom, forced to stay behind bars, if most of us were asked what the opposite of joy is, I wonder how many of us would answer with prison. But the Apostle Paul had joy while in jail. And that's where he was when he wrote the epistle to the Philippians. In chapter 1, he tells us, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And that's why he could be joyful, even in an ancient Roman prison. They could take his freedom and lock him away, but they couldn't take Christ away from him. It's the same for us. Whether we live, whether we die, Christ himself is with us. Try out Anchor Devotional today in print. Visit getanchor.com.